Richardson takes it off! A goal from the heavens for Kieran Richardson! Welcome back to the What The Fork Sunderland Preview Podcast. I know many of you will be wondering how and why I bring myself to do these podcasts, but despite the constant pain of following the lads, you have to admit it's never really boring. Although this weekend, I think we're all probably hoping and settle for a boring, easy, simple three points at Cambridge, a newly promoted side who are doing quite well for themselves and are currently standing in our way at the moment. It's been almost 20 years since we last faced them, so it's been a while. So to chat us through what we can expect from our next opponents on Saturday is Jordan from Cambridge United Podcast Under the Abbey Stand. Jordan, I'm going to pretend we haven't chatted for the last 20 minutes about Lionel <laughs> Perez and ask how you're doing. Yeah, I'm doing really doing really well. Thank you, Graham. Um, yeah. It's funny you mentioned it's been 20 years since we played each other. Are you thinking of the 7-0 in the, the League 7-0. Cup? So yes. I remember that. I remember that night because... I was at Sixth Form College and it was meant to be the start of term disco club night thing. And all my mates were like, right, we're going to this pub, which was notorious for serving underage people first to get boozed up. And then we're going to the to the club night. And I was like, no, no, no. I was like, no, no, no. I'm going to the football. We've got Premier League Sunderland. It's going to be amazing. Um, who knows what happens? And what, what happened was very like un sort of David and Goliath like in that it was such an easy victory and then I yeah so that was that was that was my um freshers disco for six long college thank and, you Dav- David Bellion yeah I'm pretty certain it was like that was the season we went down with 19 points but we won two games in a row we beat Villa 1-0 David Bellion scored and then I think we won 7-0 and I don't think we won pretty much again <laughs> till the rest of the season but David I've... Bellion got a two million pound move to Manchester United from that Mate, I thought he was going to be world class. Like, I know, obviously, you were a few leagues above us, so he should be looking good against us. But I thought he was amazing. And then, yeah, I remember reading that he went to Man United. I was like, that's it. He's going to kick on. But then he just fell off a cliff, really, didn't he? I don't don't think he did much at Old Trafford. No, I don't think he did. Um, I feel like he went back to France pretty fast and didn't do Mm. much there either, really. But, yeah, David Bellion, for those old enough to remember him, um, if you don't... Remember, he plays an awful lot like Leon de Jacu. Um, and I, and I, anyone who hasn't seen Leon de Jacu play, you will see on <laughs> Saturday what we mean by that. Um, we'll start straight from the top, Jordan. Obviously, Sunderland were frustrated last night, and that's been mm. kind. Um, I can imagine the frustrations equally felt at Cambridge. 2 0 up against Wigan, six or so minutes to go, ends 2 2. We're talking 24 hours or so after the game. How, how do you assess it? Um, so your listeners probably don't know this, but Graham gave me two options. We could do the interview tonight on Wednesday, which we're doing, or we could have done it straight after the game yesterday. And I'm really thankful I didn't pick the straight after the game option because it would have been <laughs> a mixture of swearing and tears and all sorts. And I'd, you probably wouldn't be able to publish any of it. Um, 
24 hours on, I feel a little bit better. Um, I do... I do think that long term, we'll look back at last night and go, do you know what? That's actually a really good point against a really good side. Like Wigan were decent, probably the best we've seen, I would say, so far this season. Um, pressed us really well. Um, but there's a couple of real key sort of takeaways from, from last night's game. So, yeah, firstly, I think it would be a good point long term. And then secondly, it just felt like the game was such a, a reflection to the Cambridge United season so far in that... Um, well, sort of two things, like on one hand, we were really competitive, uh, which we have been in pretty much every game that we've played. Um, and then on the other hand, we we're incredibly frustrating. Um, we were our own worst enemy last night. And it's been like that the last few games, sort of making, you know, quite basic defensive errors and costing us goals. And yeah, I also just think it was just a kind of reflection of where we are in terms of a squad. Like we've got a, a small budget, possibly the smallest in the league got small numbers in the squad and and players are out and it got to sort of 70 minutes and you're 2-0 up and you're thinking about game management and there's just no one really available on the bench in the positions that you needed and we ended up having a striker come on and play right wing and you know he did the foul that was the free kick that they equalized from and it's it it makes it it makes it easier to sort of accept that because you know it's it's that's kind of sort of the limitations that we've got so far, but it is, yeah, here's a kick in the teeth being 2-0 up um, out of nowhere as well, was not predicting that at all. And yeah, to, to be disappointed with a point when before the game, if someone said, would you take a point against Wigan, who was second, I think at the time, it would have been like, yeah, snap your hand off. So a weird evening, but uh, we go again. Yeah, of course. And it's, I think, that was one of the things I always look at recent form, and I think a good gauge is to go maybe like the last five games or so. I mean, I'm no no expert. Mm. Really, realistically, you should be watching all the games. But I love football, but not to the extent of watching every League One games. I'm sure you'll agree is probably not the best thing to do. Um, <laughs> but you came into the, the game on a really tough run of of, of games. Really, I mean, mm. Morecambe away, MK Dons away, Rotherham, Wigan at home. Um, You've came out with four points. Four points in four games doesn't sound great, but when you put into context, Morecambe have been doing really well. MK Dons is a really tough game. Rotherham, in my opinion, the best side in the league I have been so far. We're going to where they're at. Um, a lot of frustrating to only get the one point. How do you assess those, those sort of four games and the recent form in general? Yeah, I was thinking about recent form, uh, sort of preparing to, to speak to you, and I was sort of looking at the last six games. It's like, well, we picked up eight points from the last six, which doesn't sound huge but when you add like a bit of perspective and you you look at you look at like what else is going in there you know our best defenders out injured we also have another defender who's our captain out injured we've had tough opponents like you say um we've had a really hectic schedule we played Saturday Tuesday for what feels like forever I think it's actually only six weeks on the trot but when you've got a small squad it's a it's a big deal we've had a lot of away games that are long distance as well so if you add all that together, I'd have to say like the form over the last six games isn't that bad, really. And um, we got at the start of those six games, we beat Wimbledon and Morecambe and they were really significant for us, which might sound a bit odd because they're not exactly big teams in the league. But our start to the season had been really encouraging and we've been really competitive and we've taken points in games that people didn't necessarily think we would. But our downfall was the sort of the teams that respectfully are the same kind of profile as us you know teams that we would expect to be in that bottom six to eight with you know we lost to Gillingham we, we lost to Shrewsbury um you know 
let a lead slip against Fleetwood. So it was great, you know, saying, oh, you beat Portsmouth and you went to Plymouth and got a draw and Oxford couldn't beat you and Ipswich couldn't beat you, Sheffield Wednesday couldn't beat you. That's all great. But are those games going to define our season? Same as Sunderland on, on, on Saturday. Is that going to define our season? Probably not. Whereas, you know, playing the likes of Fleetwood and stuff like that are really crucial. So we started that run of six with two wins against Wimbledon and Morecambe. And that's the first time this season that we've we've beaten that profile. So that's really encouraging. And then, yeah, from there, I guess many in many ways, because the start of the season had been so good and the points return had been really good, better than we thought, it kind of meant that this block of four games, which started with Milton Keynes, included Rotherham and then has Wigan last night and yourselves, we could kind of afford to go through that and not pick up a lot of points because we've done the good work up front. So genuinely part of me thought maybe we'd come through the four with no points but yeah I've got one last night which is good and you know a good performance a good performance on Saturday against Rotherham as well makes me feel a little bit bullish ahead of uh, the Sunderland visit yeah absolutely I was going to say it's been a, a really solid return to League One and I I, I watched your, your playoff your playoff games and I'll openly admit the start of the season I think I said um, Cambridge and Morgan were probably my, my favourites to go down, but yeah, five drawn eight, lost seven, pretty much smack bang in the middle of the of the league. So you know, coming into the season, what realistically were the expectations, and, and are you exceeding them? Um, I yeah, I think we are. Um, obviously, we've we've lid down the table the last couple of weeks with these recent results, but we went into the Milton Keynes game sat tenth in the table, and that's that's like seven or eight places higher than anyone expected us to ever be at any point. Um, Yeah, we went into the season and a lot of people, you know, podcasts, blogs and so forth, quite understandably backed us to not only go down, but to finish bottom of the pile. And from an outsider's perspective, I can totally see why, you know, we're a promoted club, we've got a small budget, uh, we hadn't signed a list of of names that are recognised League One or Championship players. We had a lad who scored 34 goals for us the season before, who's no longer with us. And our manager is only starting his second uh, full season as a manager. Add all that together, like quite rightly, you would say that's a team that's going to struggle. I think Cambridge fans, based on based on last season, and, 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 you know, last season we got promoted when no one expected us to. We were a sort of pretty average lower League Two squad that punched above its weight and got promoted so because of that I think Cambridge fans sort of thought well there must be something about that there must be a reason for that the answer is is the guy in charge um so for that we just had a little bit of an inkling that we would yes we would be in the in the bottom third of the table but because of that sort of spirit and morale from last season if that follows through we could maybe surprise a few people and and we keep it competitive and I think people's expectations for the season were or still are to be in that bottom six or eight. But I think people just wanted to be competitive and, you know, not be relegated by Christmas and, you know, still have something to play for. So yeah, for, from that side, we've, we've not only met, but probably exceeded our expectations. Obviously there's a long way to go. Uh, January is going to be big because we're going to need to bring some players in, but so far it's going pretty well. I think, I think before the Milton Keynes game, our PPG was tracking at 58. Uh, we've got this nickname, uh, code name, Operation 50. Just get to 50 points, stay up. 
and it'll be huge. It'd be huge for the club. Like we've not been in League One for 20 odd years. It's not a league that historically we've spent a lot of time in. We've either gone through it going up or through it going down. But if we could stay here for a couple of seasons, stabilise, build up the fan base a little bit, that could hopefully maybe inspire the next step that's needed for the club. So some new investment, some new money, and then potentially look to grow from there. But yes, yeah, so far, enjoying life. <laughs> Talking about the manager of the or head coach, as it's now known as, sorry. Um, obviously, Mark Bonner's, as far as I can see, pretty much been there for years, but not in the position he's in. I think you're mm. looking at, I think Mike Duff gets an awful lot of um, praise at, at Cheltenham for the job he's done, yep. and understandably so. But Bonner's kind of gone under the radar a little bit. How good of a job has he done? An incredible job. Um, you know, he took over, he, he got announced um, as our permanent boss like the week before the COVID cancellation of the season. Um, so he didn't, he didn't actually play well. So he did interim for like six or seven games and did really well, but he didn't have a a first game as permanent manager until we came back. Um, At the time of his announcement, everyone sort of rolled their eyes and went, right, well, we've gone for the cheap option again. It'll be him for a year and a half and then we'll find someone else and so on and so on. But he's done an incredible job. You know, the squad that he inherited um, was not a top League Two squad. Um, He signed players that were released from clubs that didn't do very well the season before and then turned them into superstars in League Two. And yeah, we got got promoted with no one seeing it coming at all. Um, he, I think the key, well, one of the keys for his success is he keeps his squads quite small. So it does really feel like there's a sense of unity in that team. And, and that's maybe why we've got players, you know, busting a gut each week and, and and sort of playing beyond themselves because there's that kind of morale going through there. But the Bonner story in general is just a brilliant one. Um, Graham, you and I are both 35. Mark Bonner turned 36 last night. He's never played professional football. Um, he joined Cambridge. I think he must have been sort of like 18, 19. He joined our sort of youth team set up and it's just worked his way up from there. Um he did a few years at, uh, at Southend when we dropped into the conference and we lost our funding for, for the academy. Then he came back, took over our 18s, got a really good reputation for himself as a coach and so got sort of promoted into the first team picture and then just worked his way up from there. I think he was assistant to two or three different people and, and got the job full time. Um, he's done He's done a terrific job and the best thing is he's a Cambridge fan. You know, he was stood on the on the terraces the last time we were in League One, possibly was stood on the terraces when Sunderland beat us 7-0. Um, and it's it's just a great story because, you know, whatever happens from here, whether he's successful or not, whether he moves on, whether we get relegated, whatever, we'll still have, we'll always have last season where one of our own got us promoted from, from nowhere. And, you know, we're not a club that's got a lot of promotions in our history. So he's joined a very small group of, uh, of managers. Talking of um, the players he's brought in, you said before it's a, it's a small squad, and I've mm-hmm. noticed obviously he's brought in. You brought in Lloyd Jones. He didn't technically bring in Masterson, obviously, but they're both mm-hmm. Liverpool Academy players. But the one that obviously really sticks out, well, look, there's the name in Wes Houlihan, which I'm sure we'll go on to. But if you're looking at statistics alone, you have to look mm-hmm. at Ironside. 
Um, Middlesbrough-Bourne, obviously we always come up against the Newcastle-Bourne or, or Middlesbrough-Bourne for in the past few weeks. Scored 14 and 44 in the league last year, but he's already got eight and 19 this season, so so one and two. How important has Ironside been to yourselves? Oh, Big Joe, hugely important, hugely important. Um, <clears throat> last year, Paul Mullen got the headlines. Paul Mullen scored 34 goals uh, in all competitions, but he played up top with, with Ironside and... I genuinely think if Ironside wasn't there taking the hits um, as sort of the big target man, Mullin probably wouldn't have got half the goals he got. So he was hugely important last year. This year more so, we we came into the season and it was hinted at um, quite early doors that we'd have to change our style and our formation. And we have. Uh, we've gone from playing a quite an attacking diamond shape from in League Two to a more solid 4-5-1. Well, at least four, five, one out of possession, and to make that work, you need someone up top on their own, and he's terrific up there. Um, he's a real uh, cart horse, you know. Just he just works so hard, and um, you know he occupies occupies defenders, and you know if you're going to have success on Saturday, Sunderland will need to sort of restrict how long he can hold the ball for because. He is our sort of get out of jail card. We'll soak up a lot of possession. We'll sit back. We'll have that low defensive block. But when we can get hold of the ball, we'll put it up to Ironside and we'll try and get to him as quick as we can. So, you know, Sunderland, you know, if you can, you know, restrict how well he he traps the ball, then you'll probably be onto a good thing on Saturday. But yeah, he's been hugely important for us and, you know, stepped out of the shadow of, of his former strike partner. So, yeah, hugely important guy for us. Were you surprised that, I mean, I don't think there's anything that surprises you in football anymore, but talking of Mullen, just to kind of bring mm. Ryan Reynolds and Phil Parkinson into the conversation, um, obviously he went to Wrexham, he's doing well, as expected, but were you, re- I mean, even I'm surprised by that, so I can imagine as a Cambridge fan, you must have thought, well, hang on a minute. Mm. Well, I guess um, Wrexham are, are down to be the next Netflix team. I think they've got a series coming soon. They're welcome um, to it. Yeah, <laughs> something I believe you guys know a little bit about. Um, One or two things. Yeah. Um, I was I surprised a little bit, but then not really. So I think, I think this, you know the story goes back to sort of January last year. You know, he, he scored his twentieth goal for us in January, and you just thought it's probably going to go in January, right? And he, he didn't go, and he thought, right, well he's not gone but it will definitely go in the summer. Um, and the longer it went on in the summer that he hadn't signed for anyone, the more you thought, oh, there must be something here. Because we all just sort of assumed that he would end up at like a League One Northern Northwest club. You know, he's based in Liverpool. He's got a young family. He would go somewhere closer to home, which technically Wrexham is. But the longer the longer it went on in summer, and he hadn't signed for that sort of club, and you saw them, you know, people like Bolton and Wigan announcing other signings, you sort of thought, well, what's going on here? Um, and then, yeah, the the the, the Wrexham rumor happened about two weeks before he did sign there, and I guess it just, I guess it just makes sense, really. I think I think he got a very handsome deal for for non-league, and I guess. Yeah, I guess he's he's earned his payday with us, and uh, and good luck to him. But I am I'm gutted for him because he was League One before with Tranmere, didn't really get sniffed there, um, and then he's passed up the opportunity to have another crack at League One with us. I just I, I wish for his sake that he does get an opportunity at this level. Um, it's obviously 
it's obviously seen the potential at Wrexham. They won't be in the conference for long. Maybe they won't come up this year, but you you must think that eventually they'll they'll spend enough to get up and you know, could be a case that very soon we're playing at the same level as them. But um yeah, disappointed he didn't stay, but what a terrific year it was for him last year. He broke broke all our sort of scoring records, records that have stood for sort of 30, 40 years. So um yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> I, I am. I can imagine the pull of getting to meet Danny DeVito was quite a big one as well. To be fair, <laughs> um, I'm a big Danny DeVito fan. I think everyone's a big Danny DeVito fan. I never thought I'd say that on a podcast that would actually relate to football. But there we go. That's football, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess. I guess if you can't get a club at the league that you want to go to, if someone offers you a ton of money, you're just going to take that, aren't you? And that's. I think that's what the story is. <laughs> Love to say no, but I'd be lying. I don't like. Yeah. That. Um, we talked about this off air and we had a good chat about it. I said before, we, we had a good 20 minute chat beforehand, but there was a reason for that. Um, you mentioned a name to me and I don't think <laughs> Sunderland fans are going to be aware of this, but for those unaware of it, what, what, what's happening on Saturday? Who are we likely to see on the pitch that is not going to play for either team, but did play for either, both teams? Uh, probably good that he's not playing for either of us. Um, perhaps we've both upgraded since then. Um, but yeah, there's there's not many... Uh, former players that have played for both Cambridge and Sunderland. Um, Jody Craddock was the only one. I was going to say my, my favourite when I was a, a young one was Jody Craddock, but um, we have got the other uh, the other long haired uh, player coming and returning on Saturday. So yeah, half time. Lionel Perez uh, is going to come out on the pitch and wave to everyone. He's he's coming over from France, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for it because he was such a such a character for us. Um, he played in a terrible team and I think we got relegated in one of his seasons with us and he was on a big, big wage with us. And this was just before the whole ITV digital saga. And, you know, I'm sure it didn't help the finances um, when that all hit as well, but for some reason he's got this cult status with us. And I just remember, I remember his first game on loan to us and he sort of was warming up and everyone started clapping and he just turned around and he bowed and it was like, no one's ever done that before. That that was incredible. Um, and from, that. Yeah. And then, and, and then from there, he's just had rapport. He had such a rapport with the fans um, that even the, you know, the questionable season of being relegated and the dodgy performances, he still looked upon so fondly. Um, and yeah, can't wait to have him back. I just hope that he uh, doesn't get asked to take a penalty at halftime because that could end in uh, danger for someone. See, I, I never knew this story, because I think Sunderland fans listening to this are old enough, um, and if they listen to me, they probably are. No offence, listeners. Um, <laughs> but Lionel was, yeah, he was awful in ways that would pull out a randomly good save, and he was a real character that became like a cult figure that was probably unfortunately outshined by the, the cult hero that replaced him afterwards that was actually good in Thomas Sorensen. But <laughs> you, you told me a story off air about him taking a penalty. I don't think there's many Sunderland fans aware of this. So just, just for those that don't know, why should he not take a penalty? Well, um, yeah, <laughs> his last his last game for the club, um, it was like a dead rubber at the end of the season. And we were at home and I can't remember the team we were playing, but I think we were winning at the time and it was quite late into the second half and we got a penalty and the crowd just started chanting for Lionel's name and I don't know what the management or the players were thinking no no game management there but he came running on up and they let him take it and honestly Graham it was the worst penalty I've ever seen drilled it straight down the middle barely off the ground you know the Beckham Argentina 
World Cup yeah. that went in, like that was an awful penalty. Imagine that. Apart from the goalkeeper got 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 something to it, got part of his leg to it. And so not only did he miss, <laughs> he hit this ball so hard that the goalkeeper then got stretched off. He he didn't score, but I think he he damaged someone's leg so seriously they had to get stretched off. Uh, and then I think we went on to draw that game. So yeah, um, it's, it all went down. I think it's on YouTube actually. I'll send you a link. <laughs> God bless Lionel. If you're listening, Lionel, which you know the crazy world of uh, of, of Lionel Perez, you might be. You never know. But um, <laughs> weird cult hero that never actually was that good. Um, but I think I always had respect from like I was saying before you yeah, sort of off air the fact that he said he went to Newcastle because Sunderland didn't want him and that was the closest place to Sunderland it's like <laughs> he probably shouldn't have done that Lionel but fair play and he cost him about a million pound in wages so fair enough um, without actually playing the game talking of Sunderland we have to unfortunately I don't really want to but there you go mm-hmm. um, we're, we're in a difficult situation right now there's, there's no denying it sort of one win in our last eight games in all competitions um, anyone who follows me on Twitter knows I've I've kind of turned on the manager. I think a lot of people have. Desperate to see anyone succeed, not just him, but it's just not happening. Um, as a newly promoted side that's not played us in sort of 20 plus years, what, what do you mm. make of the whole situation at Sunderland? Um, I don't want to be one of those small clubs that, that blows smoke up your ass. However. Um, Please do. <laughs> well, you know, you get promoted to League One and one of the first names you're looking for on your fixture list is the Sunderland game. Um, I think the only other one for Cambridge is Ipswich because it's close, but not a local derby close. So it's just a fixture that everyone's been looking forward to for such a long time, like to be playing a team of that size and that history. And, you know, you probably, well, for us, it's, it's kind of a big deal, but you're probably fed up of that, right? You know, years of being in this league and, and being the scalp and being the, the big team that comes to town. So, yeah, sometimes, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, I think from our perspective, I think, I, I guess it was sort of, sort of looking at the club and thinking, God, there must be some really big expectations there. And it must be a lot of pressure on the management and the players. And, and could that be something that plays to our benefit on Saturday? Um, I mean, quality-wise and player-wise, obviously, we're, you know, you're superior. But if we can sort of ruffle some feathers, kind of make it tough and tense for people, maybe we can, you know, get that sort of, uh, get that edge on you guys. And, you know, we played Shrewsbury recently and, they're, you know, they're, they're good at the shithousing. So we know that if that worked for them with 10 men, then maybe we've got a chance on on that on Saturday. But... I'll end it with a positive. I would love it if you guys go up. Uh, I've at the start, you know, in the summer when the fixtures came out, I had this vision that we play you as our last away game of the season. I think it's your last home game. I just had this vision at that game before kickoff, you know, you're already promoted and we're already safe for the season. So everyone just in a good mood uh, in the glorious Sunderland sunshine, which I'm sure you guys get in like April and May, right? <laughs> A little bit, yeah. It's normally, got a bre- it's normally got a breather, but I can't really complain. Living in Scotland, it's probably quite. It's probably summer all the time in comparison to what I've got here. It's freezing at the moment, but um, but yeah, yeah. So you talk, you touch on there about like being the scalp, and, and yeah, I think you know, first couple of seasons, and occasionally in these seasons, it does feel like that. But when you see that we've been here for four years, and you see the kind of stupid results, and and with all due respect to the, mm. the teams in League One, some of them are 
for the hundred years of history that something have had can feel a bit embarrassing. And, and last night's one of them, the ten men, Shrewsbury, mm. all the players out of position. But when you when you see results like that that have happened consistently for years, does it begin to do you begin to look at something as not a soft touch, but you do start to think, well, they've done it about 40 times before and duffed it up. Like there's no yeah. reason we can't get three points. And it becomes it becomes not as much as a scalp, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, we've got a similar but slightly different past in that we did nine years in the conference quite recently. And when we first dropped down, you know, we were, I think there was us and and maybe Oxford that were former, former football league teams in there. And we were those, you know, we were the big two and you know, you would go to grounds and it would be a couple of hundred home fans and they'd swap end at half time, and you'd have home games where you'd have maybe 30 people in the away end. So we we've experienced what must be similar to, to, you know, clubs like yourself and Ipswich and so forth, who have, you know, dropped down from, from a bigger division to this one, but then we were there for, you know, nine years. So I think we've got a lot of sympathy and a lot of understanding for clubs like yourself that, that do drop down into these leagues and then struggle to go back up because it's something we've experienced, albeit at a slightly different level ourselves before. But I just remember when we got promoted out of the conference in our ninth year there, and it was a feeling that if we didn't go up that year, we would probably fall into kind of irrelevance and, and it could never happen. So yeah, definitely understand the, uh, yeah, the, the pessimism that, you know, not just yourselves, but other sort of former Prem clubs are probably feeling being in League One. But then I guess you look at the league table, you're not the only one here. You know, it's it's a big old, it's a big old league, a really tough league. And um, yeah, I just hope you, I wish you all the best for the season to, to get up. I just hope we come back in like April or May, whenever it is, and we'll go, oh, what were we worried about? Lee yeah. Johnson's won the league with 400 points and Cambridge are fine. You're pushing for the playoffs. That would be that would be lovely, wouldn't it? But I think I've done this for too long to know that was something that's never straightforward. We'll probably beat Arsenal and get beat off, you know, whoever we play after <laughs> that. That's, that's a Sunderland way. A um, couple of questions before I let you go, Jordan. Obviously, one of my sort of favourite parts, not recently because of the form, but you always have a judgment on your own players and then you mm-hmm. speak to an opposition fan and, and they're kind of feared of, of another player that you just don't see that coming whatsoever. But who are the Sunderland players that on paper, at least you, you worry about a little bit on Saturday and think can cause you problems? Oh, I'm going to go for the obvious one just because it's such a well-known name, but I'm going to go for McGeady. Yeah. Uh, is that, is that, is that, a, is that the right thing to say or is that just sort of a, I it's love him. He's, he's, been, he's been really off colour this season, but you know when he when he hits a when he hits a patch, yeah, like he's there's a reason he's played as high as he has. He's he's been a bit off form recently, but to be fair, when he came on against Ipswich and probably turned the game a little bit, he's, he seems to have turned into a. I'm going to say impact sub. He's made an impact once, and he only came off as sub twice, but. McGeady's still McGeady he's still got your fast feet if you catch him on a good day yeah yeah, he's he's the best player in the league in my opinion just this season he's, his day hasn't been as often as I would like it to be yeah but I'm very um, pro McGeady very pro McGeady and then I guess I guess the other one for us just given that we've got these issues at centre back is, is whoever plays up front for yourselves if they've got a good build if they've got a bit of experience they could cause us problems so yeah Ross, Ross Stewart would it yeah, on paper again, 10 goals, six foot, 500 or whatever. He's a big guy. Um, mm. so, so that could be good. You touched on there's a few instances with your, your defensive problems. Have you got quite a few players out on Saturday? Um, so centre-back wise, 
we only started the season with three, which is uh, questionable in itself. But one of those three was our, our club captain, Greg Taylor. He uh, got a nasty injury back in August, and I don't think he'll be back till sort of February, March. So he's definitely out. Uh, Lloyd Jones, who, who you mentioned earlier in the call, um, who I would say is our best defender, uh, well, best central defender. He's been out the last couple of weeks. And what was originally billed as quite a small injury has now got people a little bit worried because it's like, well, where is he? He's not even in the squad. So don't know if he'll be fit for, for Saturday. He he didn't, he wasn't part of the squad last night. So that's a worry. So our, our current centre-back pairing is uh, moving a lad um, from left-back to centre-back, a guy called Jack Idell, which is a real shame because he's actually a really good attacking threat. Um, so it's hindering us not only in the centre-back region, but also out on the out on the on the left hand side and then yeah Connor Masterson who's on loan from QPR who ah, jury's out on him I think he will have a good football career I think he will play probably championship quite consistently for for the majority of his career but he's at a point at the moment where he I think he's getting more out of this loan than we are like he's getting the experience he's getting the game time he's yeah. making the mistakes and learning from it whereas he's making the mistakes for us and we're dropping points because of it so um, I think he'll probably get the nod ahead of um, our other centre-back, Jibro uh, Okadina, who I think is the better of the two, but is smaller and and came unstuck last year. Uh, we had him on loan last year from Spurs. He came unstuck against sort of the more wily, experienced centre-forwards that could bully him a little bit. So perhaps Masterson might get the nod on Saturday to sort of deal with Stuart a little bit better. Um but yeah, I think defence is our, is our main worry, really. I think sort of midfield and up top, we're competitive. But yeah, a little bit worried about the dads at the back. So of course, brings me on to the, the final question. I keep getting these wrong. Even when I predict us to get beat, we end up winning. So, um, But I'm going to go with a good old Jack Ross 1-1. Jack Ross loved a 1-1. I don't love a 1-1, so it's bound to be a 1-1. Um, yeah. Probably tells you the kind of way I'm feeling about something at the moment. I think a lot of us are... Um, I think you're probably going to have the crowd up for it. I think it's very despondent at something now, which doesn't take much, but we have been really off colour for a few weeks now. Um, but what's your what's your thoughts on, on Saturday, Jordan? Prediction? Well, <clears throat> well, I wanted to say 1-1, but I felt like we said it a lot just then. So, um, no, I, I I think given the the performance last night against Wigan, even though we um, I said lost, it felt like a loss, even though we drew... I know that. Um, the yeah, the performance against Wigan and the performance against Rotherham, especially second half, where we really had them on the on the ropes and should have equalised. Um, like I was saying earlier, it's, it's got me feeling a little bit bullish, and we've kind of got to the end of this block of four really tough games, and f- for some reason there's some optimism there. So I'm going to say a draw, but because I'm so optimistic it's definitely going to be a Sunderland win, isn't it? It's just going to be egg on my face. And we do have a good, do, we do have a good record of, um, of ending teams, bad runs. So, you know, you can thank me later. Um, also Owen, um, who I, one of the lads I do with the podcast with, whose Twitter handle is Vinyl Perez, because he works in music and loves Lionel Perez. He uh, shared a stat with us earlier, which basically says, uh, so far this season, we've not lost to any team that's won the FA Cup. And then we quickly went, well, you know, we've got Sunderland on Saturday. So when we have a good stat, it ne- we never get to share it. So I've got, yeah, maybe you'll, maybe you'll ruin that for us. That is a good start, to be fair. Great Twitter name as well. But, but Jordan, <laughs> thanks so much for, for joining me. Um, obviously, 
I'm not enjoying doing these podcasts, but I did enjoy I did enjoy that one. So um, I know some of the, the listeners to this podcast enjoy hearing the opposition view. So where can we find your stuff sort of after the game if people want to listen to maybe the, the Cambridge viewpoint after the game? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's at Abbey Stand uh, Pod on Twitter. Uh, if you search under the Abbey Stand, you'll find us. Uh, so we we do we have a blog. So we'll have a preview, which goes up Friday, and we'll do a, a written match review, which will go up Monday, Tuesday, and then we do our podcasts every Sunday to release the Monday morning. So we will have our take on the on the Sunderland game uh, fresh for you, six thirty Monday morning. Um, so yeah, that's 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 where you can find us. Awesome, Jordan. Thanks very much for joining me, mate. And uh, don't enjoy your Saturday, but enjoy the rest of the season after that. Graham, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, and and safe travels to everyone that's coming down from Sunderland. Um, you've sold out the away end, which is going to be brilliant. So yeah, all the best. You bunch of idiots. <laughs>